Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, Kimberly Majeski. Hi, Jim. Hey, Kimberly, you're wearing a sweatshirt that says, Boy Mom. <laughs> yes. You know, I think you're carrying this whole thing about having a baby boy, I mean, just to every we're waking pre- moment. We're pretty excited about it, Jim. And how old is that boy now? Almost at the six-month point. Six months, and he is a strappingly handsome young man, no doubt about it. He is. And as you're watching over your little boy, his name is Max, mm-hmm. as you watch over him day by day and night by night, have you ever noticed that he sometimes grabs your attention by making sounds? Oh, yes. <laughs> he has lots of sounds. And I'm guessing he's not articulating words, although I know you believe he's calling you mama now, but I mean, <laughs> he probably projects his voice in ways when he wants attention. Oh, yes. He has squeals and growls, all kind of sounds, all day and night long. And as annoying as that might be at some moments of the <laughs> night, let's say, you wouldn't trade for anything the sound of his voice. Not at all. Think about what life would be like if you couldn't hear. And of course, many people uh, are not able to hear. They're hearing impaired. That is a terrible loss. You can't hear music. You can't hear the sound of a loved one's voice. Even though you might see and touch and have other sensory perception that is a blessing, the loss of hearing and the inability to actually understand by audio tone what is being shared with you can be a great loss indeed. When it comes to living with people who are hearing impaired, it's interesting that one of the most transformational figures of the last 200 years was a man who gave us something that we all use every day, but it was born not just out of his curiosity about tinkering, but because he actually lived with people who were hearing impaired. And Mm -hmm. that guy's name was? Alexander Graham Bell. The author, the father, the inventor of the telephone. Mm -hmm. And we all understand the telephone. We depend upon it all around the world today. A mobile, a cell phone, a landline, all of these can be traced right back to Bell. And Bell's genius was really born in his attempt to try and help facilitate hearing. Because first his mom lost her hearing, and then his wife lost her hearing. And so as a child, he learned how to live with someone who couldn't hear him talk. And he was very, very sad by that, as was she, his mom. And then as he grew up and became a man, he got married to a woman who was fully hearing, but then because of a disease, lost her hearing. And so once again, he went through that journey of trying to cope with someone who couldn't hear what he was saying. And that led him to the inventor's room where he actually birthed the telephone because of his fascination with sound and the science Mm -hmm. of sound and the principles of sound. You know what? This idea of hearing, Kimberly, is everywhere in the scripture. And in this season of the year, in the spring, which is the anniversary of Alexander Graham's birth, He was born in 1847. Let's just take a minute and look at the gift of sound and what it means to hear and not hear, as understood through the lens of Scripture. When we come back, we'll examine a story where Jesus seems to be surprised at some of the people who are within his hearing, but who can't hear. Kimberly, you are so excited, you and your husband Kevin, about your little boy named Max. He's just six months old, and the sound of his voice has to bring life into every room. That's right. I know something about that. I'm the father of four sons, mm-hmm. although my youngest son, Nathaniel, is 24 years old, so it's been a while since we heard him cry out in the way you hear <laughs> Max cry. But still, the sound of my son's voices, even as adult men, brings life mm-hmm. to my wife and I, because there's something about just hearing someone that you love speak 
that helps you feel alive. Similarly, in our relationship to God, when we hear the voice of someone that we love, the voice of God, and someone who loves us, well, that can bring life too. But I've learned in life that I don't always hear the voice of God, and I don't always hear my son's voices, and I don't always hear the voices of people around me, and sometimes <laughs> that's because I don't want to hear them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be interrupted. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to be disturbed, or I don't want to know what they're thinking just now. Maybe later, but not now. Right. And in our relationship with God, that is too often the case, I fear, mm-hmm. because God is forever speaking to us. But we don't always pick up the sound of his voice because we are distracted by other things. Or maybe we don't really want to hear what he has to say as we pursue our own course. And we are no strangers to this phenomenon because the scripture has many illustrations of just that. Alexander Graham Bell invented a telephone so that people who were not physically present could hear the sound of each other's voices. Mm -hmm. That's the gift of the phone. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be in the same room. You can be in different rooms. You can be in different buildings. You can be on different continents and still hear in live time the sound of someone else's voice. That is Bell's gift through the telephone. The gift of God is to be able to hear from him, even when we are not physically present in the same room, but he still can communicate to us. In the scripture, Jesus came into this world And he was a kind of God's telephone. Yes. And uh, he came and he spoke into our world in the room in which we were seated. But even as he walked in this world, some people couldn't hear him. Let's look at a story like that recorded in Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 14. And in this passage, we have the remarkable story of some people who could hear the sound of Jesus' voice but they did not understand what he was saying. To hear isn't just to be disturbed audibly, it is to comprehend. And Jesus was perplexed and I think a bit frustrated because, well, his audience didn't always listen. Let's see what the scripture says. I see, Kimberly, you have your scripture open, ready to read. This is Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 14. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. And Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or even understand yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. Don't let you 
In the passage you read earlier, Kimberly, from Mark chapter 8, Jesus is a little bit frustrated with his disciples because he speaks about bread and they get all anxious about, well, we don't have anything to eat. But they've just walked out of some experiences with Jesus where he provided food. He multiplied loaves and fishes miraculously so everyone would have enough to eat. And yet they're anxious about, boy, what are we going to do for lunch? And he just seems to be so perplexed, you know, You have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? Mm -hmm. Can't you remember what just happened within the brief span of our experience together? Yeah, it's nice to see here Jesus frustrated. I imagine before I am too critical of the disciples, I have to remember how many times Jesus probably is frustrated with me because I don't get it always. But we do have this picture of the disciples who are living, breathing, walking, talking with Jesus, watching miracles happen before their eyes, and still they're not putting it together. Jesus can feed us. Do you have ears and yet you can't hear? That's how he kind of captures it. Right. And there's something really important here. And that idea, that phrase even, is not just quoted here. It's throughout the whole of Scripture, in both the Old Testament and the mm-hmm. New. There are moments where God cries out to his people. What, what is up with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have ears, but you can't hear. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes as a word of prophecy that the Lord knows down the road in generations to be. There will be people who have ears, but they will not hear. It's interesting that you bring this up because an important concept for the Hebrews is, is the hearing of God. The word is Shema, and you and I know, having been to Israel, this is this is a profession. They, they now call the profession, Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. This is a profession, but the, the verb Shema literally means to hear and obey. There weren't two words in the Hebrew understanding. To hear God was to also obey God. And so when they fail to do this, it's a major problem. Well, it's equivalent to being deaf then, because as the concept of hearing and obeying were united as one, to hear, to comprehend, to understand what God is calling me to do, of course I will obey it. To not obey it is to not understand, to not actually digest what God has said, to not embrace what he has said. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of spiritual deafness that the scripture speaks about. And perhaps that is to what Jesus here refers also. You, you can hear me. You, you see my lips moving. <laughs> you can see my hands flailing. You can watch what's happening, but you're not digesting it. You're not ingesting it. You're not being transformed by it. Do you have ears? And yet you can't hear. Mm-hmm. It is the heart cry of someone who loves them so much, but is also frustrated 
because they're missing so much life and distracted by so many things that normally, by heaven's view, should not concern them. Why is it that we are spiritually deaf? I mean, why is that deafness present? And it's all the more startling when you realize what they have seen and experienced. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're having to work overtime to be deaf. Right. And for Jesus, uh, who came as the Word of God, right, this is his purpose to speak on behalf of God, to represent God uh, to the people. And so uh, his mission here is at this moment, I'm sure, he feels frustrated that he's demonstrated these things in these mighty ways. We call these mighty acts the duname. He does these mighty acts, and still they're not able to put together who he is, the power of who he is, and what he can do. And here he's speaking to his disciples who are favorably disposed towards him. Mm -hmm. But in a similar way, the Pharisees are challenged that they have ears. But they're not hearing either. (laughs) And they don't hear for perhaps different reasons. The disciples may have just been dense or preoccupied with other things. The Pharisees probably have more of their will involved, not wanting to hear what Jesus has to say because they have a prejudice against him perhaps Mm -hmm. or they're intimidated by him or they're threatened by his call for change in their neatly ordered world. I wonder if the Pharisees could not hear Jesus because, well, they were sometimes focused on the problems instead mm-hmm. of the possibilities. They're also focused on themselves. Uh, I call the Pharisees to my students at the School of Theology, I call the Pharisees the seminary students. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what can happen when you study together and eat together and live together and you your life becomes so insular that you um, lose all touch of the outside world. They're focused on their studies, they're focused on Torah, they're focused on uh, ways of of uh, study and honoring God through sort of an academic or a mental process. And so they see Jesus and they see that he doesn't fit the mold. They don't, they don't see in him the fulfillment of the um, expectations that they have, the way that they hold those. And so they're always in the Gospels trying to test Jesus, trying to figure out what he's about. And here that's what happened just before the story we read. They become deaf because they're not sure who he is, Mm -hmm. and they're not sure he's worth listening to. That's right. Because of their own question marks about the nature of his persona and who it is they're looking for to be the Messiah. They have short memories, both the Pharisees and the disciples, of Mm -hmm. course, and I think most of us do. We may have evidence of the Lord's intervention in our life in days gone by, dramatic deliverance from one thing or another. We may have had some experience that really lifted us up and reassured us of God's care and love and presence in our lives. But as life marches on and we get to the next crisis, we find the next challenge, uh, the next bridge that's washed out over the raging river. That's right. Then we forget and our memories become short. Mm -hmm. And a short memory often leads to spiritual deafness. Mm -hmm. The phone can be ringing off the hook. Mm-hmm. But because we're preoccupied with the sound of the crisis right in front of us, we don't pick it up and hear the voice of God. Well, how do we get around that? If, if you can't hear, what's the cure? What do we do to tune our ears to actually hear what God has for us to say? How do we tune our ears to actually hear what God has to say to us? I think that Jesus is heaven's telephone. He is the Word become flesh. He actually is that line that God has wired so that we can hear most clearly from His heart. 
And how do I pick that phone up? How do I connect to that line? How do I make sure that it rings on my mobile? Well, I think we have to make a decision about who Jesus is, first of all. We have to decide, and you'll do this by faith, that he is the very person of God. And that pursuing Jesus, waiting for Jesus to speak, listening for his voice, diving into his word, quieting our hearts so that he can speak to the deepest reach of our being. All of this can work if we will first make a decision that Jesus is Lord. If you're uncertain, you'll be like a wave of the sea, and the voice might come, and it'll be drowned out. It might be there for a minute, but then it'll fade away. Make a decision, absolutely, and just see where it takes you. Jesus is Lord. He's in the business of communicating. He is the Word become flesh. God wants to talk to me. God has things to share with me. I am going to proceed as if this were true. And because I make that choice, then my ears can be unclogged. And it is very likely I will hear with fresh new power from this voice of God. We have to trust. Make a decision, but then you also trust Based on that decision that Jesus is Lord, I have to trust that he actually is interested in me. It's one thing to believe that God is on the throne and that Jesus is Lord and his son come to reach this world. It's another to understand that God is on the throne and Jesus is his son come into this world, not just to reach the world, but to reach me. That my phone number is in God's phone book, that I am known and individually, uniquely valued by God. I have to trust that. Yeah, and that's huge, Jim. I think that is a major obstacle for a lot of people, that we really don't believe in our own worth. We don't believe really, truly, when it comes to us that we're loved by God or that God would care about these small, infinitesimal things that we we think are... Uh, so important to us. Sometimes we have struggles. We do exactly what the disciples did. We we fret about the tyranny of the urgent, what's in front of us. And it's hard to hear God, but it's also hard to trust that God has our best interest at heart, that God is for us, that God is on our side. Scripture says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And that is a place of rest, If you can get to that place of rest and trust, then your chances of hearing are much better. You might just hear heaven's phone ring then. (laughs) Just yesterday, I had someone ask me if I was tired of talking with them. And I said, no. (laughs) And they said, oh, you must be. And I said, no, actually, I'm very thankful that anyone wants to talk to me. (laughs) Because honestly, there's something really valuing when someone wants to speak with you. That's right. And all of us need to understand that God actually wants to speak with us. And that is of huge value, Mm -hmm. your worth, Mm -hmm. proved true by God's interest in speaking to you. Amen. What, have you ears and you cannot hear? Jesus said to his disciples on the boat as they wondered about food, having just watched him provide food miraculously to thousands, what's the matter with you? You're just not hearing. You're not comprehending. You're not obeying by faith what I have to say. But oh, how patient is our Lord. He didn't stop talking because they couldn't hear. He didn't just shut up and clam up and pout because they would not listen. He was always ready to speak. And when they were ready to open up their hearts, he spoke more. Words of grace and truth and life. And the same is true for us. Wherever you are in this world today, whatever your life journey, know this. In the same way that Alexander Graham Bell 
in what was thought to be a miracle in his own lifetime of the 19th century, invented a telephone where you could be in separate rooms and still hear the live voice of someone who cared about you. In an even greater way, God, and this is miraculous, has created a way for you to hear from him through his son. And even though you may not see him physically present, even though you may not be in the same room where you can actually touch him in a tactile and material way, God has made a telephone line for you through his Holy Spirit, to actually hear from his son. How? Take a step right now and just imagine the phone is ringing and it's ringing for you and we call that prayer. Join us right now as we pick up the phone. Dear Father, we're so thankful today that you're willing to give us a call for the way in which you sent your son into our world that we might hear and see and know you. We're thankful, Lord, even right now that you're on the line and that you're listening to our voice even as we can hear yours. We pray, Lord, that as we share with you just this minute, you will hear carefully our hearts cry. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you have to say to us, and we hope that your words will bring us life. We know they will. We ask, Lord, that you'll forgive us for all the ways in which we have messed up the phone line and have made ourselves unworthy to hear, but we are thankful, Lord, that you have cleared the line and made it possible for us to be worthy through the work of your Son. And so, even as we speak now on the phone to you, we pray that you will speak back to us. And in the still quiet of just this moment, and in ones that follow even after this broadcast has ended, tune our hearts to hear. We long to hear your voice. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is my heart's cry. I want to know the one who saved me and gave me life. This is my heart's cry to be so close to him that all my life becomes a testimony of my Savior's grace and love. This is my heart's cry. This is my heart's cry Much more than just a great desire It's like a fire in me I hear my heart cry Each time I think about the cross Where Jesus died The cross should have been mine But His love rolled through And heard my heart's cry He heard my heart's cry Now every other hope and dream Is lost inside of this one thing To know the one who died for me And lived my life For Jesus Christ is my heart's cry testimony of my Savior. 
If you'd like to know more about how you can hear from God, well, give us a call. Speak about a telephone. Dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We are by the phone, and we are by the phone live, and we're so glad always to hear from you. And Kimberly, if someone wanted to go online, if they preferred to communicate via email, what should they do? Yeah, you can connect with us online at cbhviewpoint.org. Send us a message, and we'll respond. That's CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope, viewpoint.org. Or if you prefer, just write me a letter and send it by post. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, whether you pick up the phone, whether you go online, or whether you drop a note in the mail, let us hear from you. We are in the business of communicating, and so is our God. Kimberly, thanks for being here, and hey, give that Max a hug for us today. Oh, I sure will. Thank you, Jim. And we thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we speak once more about the power of hearing, hearing from heaven. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.